We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRADIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome to week seven, everybody. I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is no early Europe game this Sunday. The bad news, we got six teams on by and we're going to try to help you figure that out tonight. Welcome to the latest Rotoviz high stakes lowdown right here on the FFPC social media channels or if you're listening to it on the Rotoviz podcast and networks, we appreciate that as well. I'm Eric Balkman from the HSFF Hour from the Better Sports Network's high stakes fantasy football show and of course the FFPC. So glad you are spending Tuesday night with us. Yeah, Dom Gazzetti already pointing out the best above average host. I'm not sure if that's official. I don't know if you can quantify that at all or qualify it, uh, but I certainly appreciate that, Dom. Thank you so much uh, as well. Uh, tonight, I, uh, before we get into it, I want to remind everybody to go to myffpc.com, myffpc.com to play the FFPC Weekly Challenge. There is no draft in this. There is no salary cap in this. You just pick whatever players you want, 10 of them if you're playing without kickers and defenses, 12 of them if you are playing with kickers and defenses. Buy Sunday's kickoff at 1 p.m. and then just enjoy it the rest of the weekend. Um, only one player per NFL team. There is no stacking in this competition. You can only have one player per NFL team. And you say, Balky, that sounds familiar. Well, it's basically the format of our world-famous FFPC playoff challenge that we'll be launching uh, in a couple of months here as well. You can play for as little as $35 and win all the way up to $2,500. That's at myffpc.com, myffpc.com. Uh, remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the video, share it with your friends, share it with your enemy, share it with everyone, and get notified every time we go live. More coming up later on in the show when I get to that. Let's bring in tonight's guest, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he is a winner of six uh, FFPC high-stakes leagues in his career and the $250,000 grand prize overall champion winner of the 2005 World Championship of Fantasy Football, the WCOF, as the kids called it. Uh, he joins me tonight as he chases a $1 million grand prize in the FFPC main event. Please welcome onto these airwaves, Mr. Paul Friel. Paul, welcome in, man. Hey, Eric. How's it going? It's going good. How are your teams looking heading into week seven? You know, I have a couple good ones that are going. Um, you know, I have quite a few because I have partners. And so, um, you know, and also when you have quite a few teams, you never uh, get depressed with your fantasy season because you always have at least one to focus on. So I always tell people you can't just have one fantasy football team. You have to have at least a couple. And you yeah. never and you never tell your wife how many you have. <laughs> people always ask me, how many do you have? And I'm like, who's asking? <laughs> 
And they're like, who could it be? Well, if it's my wife, I have two. If it's you, I got 25. <laughs> you know, what's funny about that is I have, I can't remember the last time. I think I, I'm in like 23 leagues this year and I have two six and O teams. And I can't remember the last time I had a six and O team, like just one of them. I have two of them this year and it's all I can think about six and O feels so good. Uh, those other 21 teams, they're doing okay. We'll see what happens with that with those. But yeah, it's fun. Uh when when we're talking about these dominant teams, let's get back to the, the topic of partners. How long have you had partners within the high stakes fantasy football space? And are these silent partners? Are these partners that participate in lineup setting and fab bidding and everything? How is that going for you, Paul? Yeah. So everybody asked me, you have 25 teams. How can you keep track of that? And one of the things is uh, when we won the whole Wyckoff, is there's three of us. And, you know, after Wyckoff, I had times where I had two or, or you know, different partners. I always had a partner because it keeps you connected, right? Even even today, two of the teams I have are with my two adult sons. Um, and you have to, you know, they have to talk to me, right? It's kind of like, who are we starting? Who are we picking up? It's really, you know, when things are going well on Sunday, they're giving you a call. One lives on the West Coast. One lives on the East Coast. And so I have really come up with a formula where I have, I like in the um, Wyckoff, I mean, in the uh, my FFPC is I have uh, two teams and three owners is what I have these pairs. And so the reason why I like three guys versus two, it's always a two to one vote mm-hmm. on who you draft, who you start, who you pick up. Um, and it also is it's easy from the standpoint is you might be off on vacation somewhere or you might have something going on. And, and if you want to win the whole thing, if you want to win the million bucks, you can't make a mistake. You can't miss a guy that was on that got injured or get, got a late scratch. And they really help you, too, with, hey, who, you know, a lot of the research or keeping you fresh and new ideas, um, which is really nice. So I almost always in these high stake ones, I always have two partners. Uh, that is just a taste of what we're going to get into tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We're also going to try to figure out what to do with DJ Moore without Justin Fields under center. Zach Ertz's startability in the tight end premium FFPC. We'll get into the Rams running back situation and much more. Let's kick things off with my Green Bay Packers. I, how this game is a 425 start on Sunday, I don't understand. But whatever, maybe people want to check out the Packers and Broncos. That's cool. Um, do FFPC players, Paul, need to make sure that they have Luke Musgrave starting for him this week, given how treacherous that Denver Broncos defense has been? Um, and, and you think about it, too, like you know, last week was kind of the exception, but Musgrave has, has been pretty involved in the Packers offense, at least from a, uh, a target and reception standpoint so far. He's gotten a great start for his rookie season. And when I really look at a lineup choice, it's really about what my other choices are. Now, I have um, a handful of of Luke uh, Musgraves on my different teams. And it really comes about who else are you choosing? And so is where you usually drafted him was you got somebody like in my leagues, Goddard, right? It's not, if, if you drafted somebody like Kelsey, you're taking a really bad second tight end later. So he's usually your second tight end. And so it's really, who was your first tight end that you're taking? But this is a great week that if you're going to start on Denver's defense is beginning up the points and, and Luke looks good. And I think, Aaron Jones is going to be back. And I think the Packers are a good team. I think you really see it. So for a rookie, he's having a great season and he has a great matchup this week. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. It's, it's you, you have to, you have to look at it from the standpoint of, of, well, okay, if I'm starting this guy, who is, who am I starting him over on my bench? Now you look at some of the, the tight ends on by this week and it's not exactly a who's who, right? You're looking at Chiga Conquo, Tyler Conklin, um, Dalton Schultz and um, uh, Jake Ferguson, both on buy. So th- those could be viable, you know, places where maybe you have Musgrave on your team. And then you're looking at Hayden Hurst and, and Irv Smith uh, there. So hopefully you weren't starting those guys to begin with. But I think Musgrave is interesting this week. As you said, we'll see what happens in that Green Bay Denver game. Speaking of tight ends, Zach Ertz is actually in Seattle this week. What advice would you be giving to FFPC players on uh, whether this guy or how startable this guy is this week in week seven. You know, it really seemed like they, you know, weren't looking for him as much last week. They played a lot of, um, is it McBride, the other tight end mm-hmm. they have yep. there. And so it really didn't look like they were looking for him. I think he's a great stash because I think he's going to get traded. They're going to go on a fire sale and he's going to end up on some really, really good team. And so I don't, I don't know if I'd start him this week, but I definitely would keep on him, keep him on your lineup or on your bench. I mean, and, um, see what happens to him. So hopefully you have better options than Ertz. I mean, he would have been a late, late, you know, he's somebody you would have paired. I have paired with Kelsey. I have a couple leagues with Kelsey. He's somebody you would have drafted really late and hopefully you don't have to use him. 
Yeah, I think that's the plan here. He he has gotten three games this season where he's had eight or more targets, and in all three of those games, he's caught six of those passes. However, three out of his last four games, Paul, to your point, he's received no more than five targets, and he's gotten two catches in three of those four games. Then he had the outlier game against San Francisco when they're trying to, to catch up towards the end. But I think that's that that's a great point. He's never broken 60 yards receiving this season. He's gotten into the end zone once. Uh, there is something to be said for maybe Ertz um, on the downslope a little bit right now, and maybe McBride is on the way up. So, um, again, it, it depends who your other um, you know tight end or flex is here. Um, but Ertz, you might be able to do better than in week seven. A lot of players on by as well. Maybe you can't do better, uh, but that's what we're looking at with Zach Ertz. Now, this is a beggars can't be choosers type question, Paul. Like DJ Moore has been kind of a fantasy conundrum this year. Um, he went from, God, I, I really can't play this guy right now to, oh my God, I'm so glad I played him Thursday night against the Washington Commanders. And now he is not, we don't think, is going to have Justin Fields this week. It's going to be Tyson Badgett throwing him balls against that Raiders defense. What are you doing with him? Is he is he talented enough that no matter who's throwing him the ball, that you got to make sure you start him? Or are you exercising a little bit of caution here with DJ Moore this week? What's interesting about DJ Moore is I have a lot of them. And one of the reasons I have a lot of them, it was a natural stack with fields, right? DJ Moore is going to go in the fourth round. You can get fields in the fifth or the sixth. And it's really a, a late natural stack. And um, most, of the, most of the leagues that I have, I'd be starting him. There's a couple that you know, hey, I, I do have some options that make it really, really tough to say, hmm, maybe not. But he does have a great matchup. And the Bears are really high on Tyson. You know, there's an article out today that they're talking about trading fields um, and getting some more draft picks because it, it looks like we, they have, the, you know, Carolina's pick two besides their own. And right now they're drafting, you know, one and two, and they're going to get a stud quarterback. Why not, why not trade fields now? So because um, they, they're high on this Tyson kid. So I would I think you got to start him. He he has so much of that you know high ceiling that you're looking for. It, it's it would be odd that you had a team. I have one out of my 25 that have so much talent. You're thinking, hmm, maybe I should put him on the bench. But my three or four others that I have, you got to start them. Tyson Badgett, uh last week, 10 of 14 for 83 yards. He did throw the pick. Um, the other thing to keep in mind too, and and I haven't read that piece that you said that that just came out today, but I do remember. Um, thinking going into the season, I'm like, you know, it's not like Justin Fields is this pocket passer that's being protected by a really strong offensive line. His offensive line is not very good. Um, he loves to get out there and run, and that's part of what makes that offense better. Like, he's putting him in harm's way quite a bit, yet what did the Bears do? Well, they just rolled into the season basically with this undrafted free agent, Badgett, as their lone backup quarterback. Lo and behold, he comes into the game here um, this past week. And what did the bears do this week? Uh, you know, it's not like they're going out there banging on Matt Ryan's door or anything like that. They're rolling with this guy. So that should tell you a little bit about what they think with Badgett and what's the easiest way for a quarterback to, to kind of feel in the, the flow, getting into the rhythm of the game. It's scheming up a bunch of stuff to the best playmaker on the team to try to make things easier on them. And lo and behold, that's DJ Moore. I think you're right. I think you can make the case that maybe he shouldn't be started. Um, but that is a very rare circumstance. I can tell you, Paul, I do not have any teams as loaded as yours. Every league I have DJ Moore and he's going to be started this week for sure. Um, you only have one like that, but all the other right. ones you got to start them. Right, exactly. Um, Tutu Atwell was a guy that I, I picked up. I drafted him in a rookie dynasty league several years ago. And it, I not because I liked this game at all, but because – the Rams uh, drafted him in the second round, and he kept slipping in these rookie drafts, and I didn't understand it. Had him on the taxi squad for a couple of years, finally let him loose, and then uh, all of a sudden this year I'm picking him up off of waivers and fab on all my redraft rosters because he's actually making plays. And and now with the return of Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, obviously had a little bit of a setback this past week as far as his production goes, four for 26. Atwell only had one catch that game. We know that soft tissue injuries, especially when you were talking about a guy like Cooper Cup who's getting up there in, in, in NFL football age, uh, we know those can be a little bit tricky. Are you strong enough to drop Tutu Atwell this week, or is he still worth keeping around if you can afford it? You know, these, you know, third um, 
string wide receivers, right? The third one on the team, it, it's hardly ever makes a difference, right? If the number one guy goes down, he moves up to number two. But the Rams will look good passing. I think Stafford's like in the top five. I mean, you know, you you know, Puka didn't. I, I, I he was a you know a pickup, right? That I picked yeah. up a lot because he sometimes he wasn't drafted, and he just, he dropped a touchdown last week. That's, otherwise, he would have had a decent week. But I think you got to keep him, just like you said. There's a chance that, um, you know, the the starter um, gets hurt, and he he's right there. And he, and where, what he what he serves the purpose for is the bye weeks, right? It's not a guy you're going to start every week, but you know you could have a bye week where there's six teams on bye, and if he was the number two now, he, with Staff, the way Stafford's playing, you'd want to play him. I think it's like anything. If you can afford it, keep him around. Don't look for a reason to cut this guy. Um, he's already made an impact in the early part of the season, and he could do so again if uh, if uh, the need should strike. Roman Y is hanging out on YouTube watching uh, tonight. Have you heard the news about the running back signed to the Packers? Why, yes, I have heard the news that James Robinson is now a member of the Green Bay Packers, but it is the practice squad, Paul. I am not going to go crazy and pick up James Robinson in, in any leagues this week, given that he's on the practice squad. Have not seen the um, uh, if there was a, a move that they've released somebody off the practice squad to acquire James Robinson. Look, we're all running back hungry. Get as many running backs as you can because these guys are just an injury away. But in James Robinson's case, he's more than just one injury away. I'm going to pass on him for now. What about you? Yeah, I agree, but it makes me nervous that there's something wrong with Aaron Jones more than we know, right? Yeah, that it's was like the first. Eight. That was the first thing I said is is because the Packers are super cautious about their injuries and and uh, about their injured players, and the fact that this guy hardly played two weeks ago was a late scratch this past week. He practiced on Monday, um, I, and and all of a sudden on Tuesday they're signing James Robinson. I don't know. That's the first thing I'm I'm thinking in my mind, but we have not heard any of that news yet. It's the same case with Fournette's, you know, rumored to go to the Bills. And, okay, that means Harris is hurt a little bit more than maybe you think, and he's going to be out for a while. They're going to need more more running backs. So, I, But I agree with you is if you have open spots, right, you have to take serious consideration in your strategy about going with one QB and one tight end because you can pick somebody up during your bye week so you can stash more backup running backs hoping they hit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the examples is Kareem Hunt. Right. One of my co-owners, Tom Cahill, I have to give him a shout out, said that's a league winner when we drafted him, like in the 18th round. Right. And you're looking for those guys that could be league winners. And there's only when you go through the whole draft, there's only five or six guys that come up as, oh, that's a league winner because they produce so much more than their value or you get. And it's usually always running backs. It's running backs that you drafted late that the first string and maybe even the second string got hurt. And, and you're always looking for just one more spot. And if you can get a starting running back in the NFL that's producing and, and gets hot, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, it is what you're looking for, and it's a great point. And and Roman, too, is like kind of talking about what we were just talking about. Should I be worried about Aaron Jones sometimes in the future? Yes, you should be. Um, we don't know what the Packers uh, training staff is capable of. You know, We thought he was going to be playing um, on uh, on Monday night against the Raiders, and then they held him out. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it's just – it's smart business to have a, another backup running back that you can deploy out there in case Jones is, is not playing. Now that's not always feasible on a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. Uh, the Packers play in the late slot on Sunday. So that can be a little problematic, but make sure you have somebody to go. Um, uh, if, if Jones is, um, is, is, um, is not going to be playing that week. Um, Joe King hanging out in the YouTube chat right now. We cutting QJ. I don't know if you caught the game last night, Paul, but, I think you had as many receptions as Quentin Johnston did. It was not good uh, for him last night. Um, and, and I think this is a player that was drafted. You talk about league winners, and I think there's a lot of, of merit to that always being running backs. But I know there was a lot of people that drafted Quentin Johnston in the mid-rounds this year that were expecting him to take a leap forward. You know, think about a Keenan Allen injury, something that has happened several times over the last few years. We talk about a Mike Williams injury. We already saw it. He's out for the season, and then the door is open for Quentin Johnson to take a step forward. It hasn't happened yet. I don't know if it's going to happen this season. I don't know if it ever happens. But if you have, and I don't even know if you have Quentin Johnson on any of your rosters, but is he cuttable at this point? I think he possibly is, right? They haven't turned to him even with Mike Williams is out. But I think it brings up even a bigger point, right? You didn't hear anything about him during the preseason. What you heard about was Tank Dell and Hyatt for the Giants and Justin Ross for the Chiefs and, and Puka for the Rams, right? And I think you 
have to chase those players in the you know 13th through the 18th round and try to get as many of those you know a lot of them are rookies that can, can perform but you didn't hear that he had a very good preseason and so sometimes i think they struggle with picking up the offense um and you just don't see it so yeah i would if i had to have a roster spot you know i i don't think i'd have a problem with cutting because i don't think he's going to be a league winner he's not going to make a difference they just aren't turning to him and and how are you going to know in like an ffpc main event or a fantasy pros championship like you're you're not going to know when to start this guy best ball it's fine well you don't have to worry about cutting him there but but it's one of those things where it could be maddening owning a, a player like that who could be a glorified roster clogger. All right, go ahead. Yeah, one more thing, Eric. You know, I, I preach to my owners on strategy when you get ready for the draft. I always go back and reverse look at the year before and the years before. And the number of wide receivers that are drafted after the 10th round that make a difference, and my when I say difference is they had to have a week or two that's good, so you're going to start them for two weeks. It's like four or five. It's very mm-hmm. few. But it's like 30 running backs, right? Somebody got hurt, and you're going to start them that get drafted after the 10th round. So I talk about pounding those backup running backs in the rounds 10 through 20. And if he was a running back, then he's looked like this. You're like, hey, yeah, I'll keep him because if the guy in front of him gets hurt, he's going to play. But as the third or fourth wide receiver, okay, he moves up one spot, and, and he's the he's the third wide receiver or the second. He's just not there. One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live event. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats. And that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets on their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and you Use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, my uh, uh, fantasy mojo, another uh, guest on, on on several of my shows, Darren Armani, fantasymojo.com. I think he started calling it the disaster recovery plan, right? So, like, all of us should have a, a built in disaster recovery plan when we are drafting teams. And honestly, after the first nine or 10 picks are off the board, and you have your core there. Like you're saying, Paul, that's time to be start stacking these running backs because you never know. And and the other thing, and, and I think this is something I might have brought up on this show in the past, and I apologize if I did. I feel like when we were just playing home leagues, whatever it was, you know, 25, 30 years ago, we, we don't think about things in terms of beating out thousands of players, right? We think about things in terms of beating 11 other players. And sometimes we look at picking up running backs off the waiver wire or drafting them as, oh, all this, all that needs to happen is that this guy gets hurt and then all of a sudden I'm in the money. Well, you know, we're not necessarily looking for running backs to be um, a player that is going to have 12 sustained weeks of fantasy success. You know, we draft all these backup running backs. 
because we're hoping that, yeah, maybe there's going to be a two or three week window where I could deploy this guy and he's going to give me top 15 running back stats and I'm going to be happy. I don't think we, we should look at it in the terms of a season long thing. It's nice that that happens and it has happened before. But I think when we talk about these backup running backs, we're just looking for little pockets of when we can insert these guys in. And that's proper roster management. And it, and it fits what's going on with the NFL, too. You know, the, all the running backs are unhappy with they don't get paid a lot. Well, I mean, I thought it was very interesting that Eckler, you know, called the meeting and he's the perfect example of why running backs aren't valuable. He was an undrafted free agent, right? They get hurt and they last like four years. And so that's, you know, quarterbacks last forever and they don't hopefully get hurt that much. So I think that's a big thing that you're looking at when you're looking for those backups to come in and, and be there for a couple of years. And then also with high stakes compared to those local leagues. And don't get me wrong. I love my local leagues. Um, I have one that guys I used to work with for 25 years and it, it is the best, one of the best days of the year, but in those leagues, Mason and Elijah Mitchell are available, but mm -hmm. in a high stake, you playing with anybody that's any good Mason particularly and Elijah Mitchell should not be available, even though you think CMC's out. Right. And so right. that's a big difference too. You have to draft those guys. You can't, you're not going to win by picking up, you know, unless it's the third or fourth running back, which sometimes does happen, <laughs> but they get drafted. So you're, you you got to be on that as you're part of your strategy. You, you know, what's funny is I did not, because it, it costs too much to draft Elijah Mitchell, in my opinion, it costs too much this year. I didn't really get him anywhere in drafts, but what I was doing at the end of drafts, like in, in the KFFSC where I played the, the majority of my leagues, what I was doing, I was trying to get Jordan Mason late, or I was picking him off the waiver wire the first few weeks because I knew McCaffrey was looking awesome, but who knew when that injury would happen? I just thought eventually it probably was going to, and now here it is. Now we look at it from the standpoint of like, we're not necessarily looking at Mason or Mitchell for, for picking up this week because they're owned, but what about starting them? Like how, how do you fall in on that, Paul? If, if McCaffrey is indeed out and remember that the Niners could be missing Debo Samuel as well. Um, what, what one are you more encouraged to, to start this week? Are they both startable even? How are you looking at this Niners running back situation this weekend, assuming McCaffrey misses? And this, the interesting thing is I think they have a Monday night game and that that's just the worst, right? Mm -hmm. So normally you would get information that, Hey, CMC was, you know, a late scratch or something. It did come out today that, you know, all three of them, the tackle Williams, um, CMC, and also Debo Samuels, that they all, their injuries aren't as major and they all right. have a shot of playing, but you don't know to Monday. So you're, you're, you're probably going, if you had CMC, your McCaffrey, you're going to probably, keep that spot open and play him. He just has too high side, but I, I, and I have quite a bit of Mason because the information in the preseason was Mason was the number two, but he was being drafted as the number three, right? right. He was drafted mm -hmm. super late. So hopefully you have some Mason, but I just because it's a Monday night game and they're saying there's a chance, unless it comes out, you're, you're following all that information. And it's so important shows like yourself that are providing information to people that people find a way to stay current mm -hmm. and, that helps you in your decision. If if McCaffrey was out, yeah, I think he would start Mason. I don't think that um, Eliza Mitchell's been getting the carries that you would, but it's it's you know they're usually the number one rushing offense, and so you would definitely I think try finding in your flex spot to put Mason in if you knew McCaffrey was going to be out. Let, let me let me throw this at you, um, and and I'm sure there's some people in this situation. They wait until Monday. Let's say they have McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, but they don't have Mason. They get to Monday night. They have McCaffrey in there. 90 minutes before kickoff, McCaffrey's ruled out. You may not have a better option, but how confident would you feel about playing Elijah Mitchell in that scenario? You know, in, in that situation, you know, that would be, I guess you would call some, you know, very fortuitous drafting is that you would want to start McCaffrey, right? There's so much upside. And then you just have to live with Mitchell because that's the only thing that you have paired with him that you would have done. So I think you would live with that because you're hoping for that upside of McCaffrey, knowing that you're probably going to get more of a split with Mason and Mitchell. Um, but hopefully – you know, if they rule them out, you, you make that decision. Um, but if you don't know and all you had was Mason and you don't have McCaffrey, you're probably going with somebody else this week. So so that that that's another good point. What happens if you have McCaffrey and Mitchell playing on Monday night? And we honestly we, we it gets to be one o'clock on Sunday. We still don't know. We've got no information on whether McCaffrey's going to play or not. Are you better off just picking somebody else playing in a one o'clock game? And then potentially benching McCaffrey if he's active on Monday night. I guess the other thing to consider too is like just because he's active doesn't necessarily mean he's going to see his normal volume of, of touches either. 
Yeah, but he's what? How many games in a row he is has a touchdown? So if yeah. there's a chance that McCaffrey's going to play, and you have the backup in Mitchell, you're always going to wait okay. and make that decision, right? All right. Always. Now, if if you only have Mason and they rule McCaffrey out early, that's a tougher decision. That yeah. you're looking at your flex of the ten spot. Do I want the unknown Mason splitting with Mitchell, or I'm going to take somebody like Gus Edwards, or um, I'm trying to think of you know. Uh, somebody else that you be in that, that you're making that decision. Cause you should have somebody that's in that range that you're, you, you weren't counting on starting Mason. You're hoping that somebody that McCaffrey gets hurt and becomes a stud. And so you, you should have somebody else that's probably better. It's, it's just weird to think like the guys that, that are in that range this week, Jaleel McLaughlin, uh, Keontae Ingram, Deontay Foreman, Latavius Murray, Craig Reynolds, for God's sake. I mean, these are all, players that that we would be considering um as as potential flexes and potential starts over that situation there too it is funny you ask i i have you know two i think a team that has mccaffrey which i'm hoping he's there but i have a different team that has mason and one of my partners stuck him in right Mm. because he's our best option hoping he's the guy this week and it it all always comes down to what are your other options who you have somebody on one of the buys and that's your best option and you take the upside and take the risk or you know, you hear McCaffrey's playing, you take him, you take Mason out later. Um, I want to keep going on this uh, running backs uh, a conversation that we've got going here, Paul. And to Tom Cahill, you said was one of your um, yeah. owners, right? So he liked the Kareem Hunt pick in one of your yes. main events. And yes. I think I He's know a the league end- winner. He told me I, he was a league winner. Right. In fact, it was, if we, we did, uh, we did, I did four teams with Tom and it was the only, you know, fight at the draft that we had. I, I wanted Justin Ross for the chiefs. I'm a diehard chiefs fan. Right. And, but this is what they were asking me if I was upset afterwards. Like, no, this is why I have, you know, three owners is that mm-hmm. they make me better and a two to one vote. And we, you know, and, you, and you're supposed to hammer the running backs and we took Kareem hunt and he's starting to look good. And I think part of it is, is Cleveland is better than people think. They got a great defense, right? And your running back is, if you have a good defense and you win games, your running back is going to get a lot more carries at the end. And then Hunt, too, gets the reception. So I have them, you know, don't tell Tom, I'm having them on three or four of my other teams, too. But um, and part of part of the driver when you're drafting with multiple guys is like, oh, I got a whole bunch of Eckler, right? Like, no, please don't want us to take Eckler again. And they know that sometimes my – my wish is that I have enough of him or not enough of a guy. And so um, I do have quite a bit of hunt and he's going to be in the lineup in quite a few of my teams this week. Um, so, so let me, let me throw this at you Ford and hunt both at Indianapolis this week. I'm not saying you do this if you have them on the same team, but are both of these guys actually startable this week? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't start them both on the same team. I think you have to choose. But right. yeah, I, I definitely think that if you had either one of them, they're in that range where they're now your ninth or tenth player on your team, especially within the bye weeks, and you're starting them for sure. And if you did have, I mean, let, like, if you could only play one, you would play Hunt over Ford, right? Because I'm thinking he's going to get the receptions, yeah. right? Yeah, makes sense. Um, we talked. You mentioned Gus Edwards a, a little bit. Has he emerged enough? Have we seen enough from him uh, to think like, okay, you know what? I know that the Detroit Lions defense is pretty tough. But the Ravens are at home. Can you feel feel you know all right about flexing out Gus Edwards this week? Even though we we do have Justice Hill there, and I know Keaton Mitchell, the Keaton Mitchell people out there are going to fry me and say, "Balky, you can't do that." But what about Edwards this week as a flex in the FFPC uh, against the Lions? You know, it, it kind of relates back. It's the opposite of Hunt. He doesn't get the receptions, right? Right, and they really haven't started producing. Um, which is unusual. You know, you think they would grind it out and hammer it and he would get a lot more. And I would think even with the buys that you have better options on your team than Edwards, you know, I have three or four Edwards. I I don't think he's in any of my starts this week, right? Because you have, you should have hopefully better options as your ninth to 10th guy. He's still your 11th or 12th and he hasn't started producing as a good flex. I'm actually surprised that the total on that game opened at 45. It's fallen to 42 and a half. The Ravens are three-point favorites in that game, so maybe that sets up as a positive strip for Gus Edwards. But, Paul, I'm with you, man. Like, I just – it's really, really difficult. It's part of the reason I've I've hardly ever drafted Derrick Henry. It's really, really difficult for me to start a running back with such a limited receiving profile um, in full PPR leagues. I I just – I, I I understand that Gus Edwards is probably going to get the most carries between the tackles. He's probably, if there's going to be one guy that falls into the end zone for Baltimore, it's probably going to be Edwards. But my God, I mean, to 
you got to be desperate this week to and, be playing and, Edwards. And they're playing the Lions. And, and a shout out right. to Josh Stearns, one of my buddies, big Lions fan, is they're good. They're for real. Right. And so I think the Lions are going to win that game. And I don't think they're that the Browns are going to be running the ball at the end of the game where he's getting cheap points and, and easy touchdowns. So and their defense is dang good. So, yeah, I would if you can stay away from Gus Edwards this week, I would, which is just the opposite of Jamari Gibbs. Right. Yes. Is Montgomery supposed to be out? Right. Mm-hmm. This is this is it. This is the this is the game that the rookie's going to take over. You've seen you've seen flashes of it. They're a dang good team. And I would, I would, you know, you're asking for sleepers. Is he's not really a sleeper, but he's finally going to have what you drafted him for early. He's going to have an awesome game. So Jameer Gibbs had, I think there was one game where Montgomery missed the entire game. I think it was the Atlanta game in the end of September, and that was the game we we're very excited for Jameer Gibbs to get a, a huge volume of touches, and he did, but. He only caught one pass that game. He had 17 carries for 80 yards. He's only had uh, he's had uh, four games so far, 17 carries against Atlanta. His other games are carries seven, seven and eight. He's got 14 catches on the year. If only we could take the best of Jameer Gibbs catching the ball and pair it with that one game he had when Montgomery missed, we would have a, a top five running back this week. So Gibbs coming off the injury. If he's active, you're obviously playing him, Paul, is, is, and playing with confidence as well. What about um, Craig Reynolds? Would, is that a guy that you would stay away from? Because I would think that given how Dan Campbell has talked about the backfield, he really wants to have two guys back there. Does Reynolds creep in to take any of the Gibbs stuff away where he would become a flex, or is this Gibbs or nobody this week? against the Ravens. I think Reynolds is one of those that he probably isn't, you know, he's probably in the 50% range in the league of pickups and he's available. And so I think what I would do is he's somebody you'd want to pick up this week. If you're looking at who you're supposed to pick up, you should be picking him up because what you're worried about, or you're, you're, if you picked him up, what you're hoping for is, okay, Gibbs gets hurt or they do split, right? I don't think you start him this week, but it's definitely somebody you would want to be picking up with, with your, your roster lineup and putting him on your bench and saying, Hey, how serious is that injury to Montgomery? Will they start splitting? What happens if somebody else gets hit, hurt? And like I said, they're playing a lot better. They're running the ball. They're going to be running the clock out at the end. They're going to be scoring touchdowns. They're a good team. And so if, if he's available, he's probably one of those players that's available in 50% of the leagues. I think you want to see if you can pick him up and stash him on your bench, not necessarily start him. Right. It's always true. I mean, like, I think I still have a Reynolds team or two because I just never – I wasn't able to cut him. I I spend way too much of my fab so early. And then I get left out in the dust um, with a lot of these players and, and guys like Craig Reynolds end up marinating on my roster for several weeks. Cause I can't get rid of them. I have one or two leagues with him still. I, and, and I know it can be difficult trying to get Craig Reynolds on your team. Now with six teams on by, you may not have that luxury, but if you can do it, uh, try to do it because it could pay off going forward, especially if Montgomery um, misses more games than just this one. Um, Speaking of running backs, uh, Rams, what the heck? So I was excited to have Rivers on my rosters when I saw that Kyron Williams was went down, but Rivers went down, and it sounds like Rivers has a significant injury. So, I mean, I think he's safe to cut at this point. And now you're looking at potentially the rookie Zach Evans starting against the Pittsburgh defense. Royce Freeman uh, is another player that the Rams have at their disposal. I, I would think that, that Freeman would be the catch guy, but quite frankly, Paul – against the Steelers, even though it's at home, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in starting either one of these Rams running backs this week. And I think I saw today they are, they either signed or they're going to sign Henderson again. So their practice squad. He's on their practice yeah. squad, Daryl Henderson. So, which, by the way, the Packers I, – I just found this out. The Packers actually looked at Daryl Henderson before he decided to, to sign with the Rams practice squad. I don't know what happened. If, they, if the Packers signed Robinson – and then Henderson signed, or Henderson signed with the Rams, and then Robinson signed with the Packers. I don't know what order it was in. But Daryl Henderson, 2023, good for you, man. Getting some heat from multiple teams here, and he's on the practice squad in Los Angeles, maybe even going to be elevated on Sunday. Yeah, and I and I think, to your point, is I think you stay away from all the Rams running backs. But it reinforces that Sean McVay is going to be throwing the ball. Stafford is going to, you know, I have Stafford on a couple of my benches, usually behind Mahomes or something. That's where he kind of matched up. And – those receivers, um, you know, Puka for sure that, hey, you you know that they're going to be throwing and you should be really confident about the Rams receivers. And it comes back to, ooh, yeah, you got to keep Atwell because 
their running backs aren't any good and and they're going to figure out a way to get points and yardage and they look decent so i would keep the receivers for the rams and you know you if you can stash one of them and hope somebody kind of hits but even, even when they're starting they're not getting the carries so that's a great point yeah. um the uh we've been talking about fab and the waiver wire um do you have any targets in mind uh you tom your other co-owners have you looked at it hard like okay we should probably get this guy here we should probably get this guy here has there been a target that has emerged as like the guy to get prior to week seven yeah so i think you make a good point about the beginning of the season right is if if we got puka we spent a lot of money mm-hmm. and he's paid off right and you got to do that i think there's good data that shows those players in the first week or the first couple of weeks that's where you got to spend your fab if you're going to win um you know what i would say that you're going to see is mitchell's one of the people maybe reynolds if it's a backup running like that and you gotta like i think one of the things people say hey paul you know what's your special gift and the gift is is you got to see into the future and in high stakes and today with all the technology and stuff, that second running back is already drafted. So you're actually picking up the third running back in your pickups here. And it's if you have a spot, right? So if you had you you figured out you got some dead weight on your team and you have a spot, well, pick up that third running back because they could become number one. You get the third run, running back on San Francisco, they become the number one. That's what you want to do, right? I, I think that's like, and, and this is, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world that I wasn't able to to let Craig Reynolds go. But if I ever have any dead weight on my roster, like um, a, a receiver that I'm, I was holding out hope for that maybe I can play this guy, or maybe it could cover a bye week you know, quite frankly, if, if, if he's not in the mix and like my top six or seven, he's off my roster. He's got to be off my roster. Um, anytime that you can carve out an extra spot on your team, you got to find a way to get these running backs. I don't care if they're third stringers. You don't care, Paul, if they're third stringers, you got to get them on your roster. I think about all the people that that um, um, thought that Jordan Mason was a losing proposition, but they still kept him on their roster, even though he was, you know, the third running back drafted, second string. If you look at the depth chart, like this, all of a sudden is paying off or could pay off this week. We'll see. We'd like to get some clarity on the McCaffrey situation. I don't know that we'll get it before Monday, but McCaffrey could miss more than week seven as well. And you call the disaster recovery. I call it shots on goal. Right. You want more shots on goal. You want four or five of those guys between 10 and 20 that you pick up that are the second and third. If they were kind of sharing a little bit, um, that's what you want. Right. And you should have had four or five of those guys. And then you have more shots on goal. And all you're looking for is one, one of them to hit. Right. And you get one of those guys that becomes a starter in your lineup. You're going to have a good season. That's what your goal is. And, and and two with the FFPC, you have the dual flex. I mean, it allows you a lot of flexibility to to play a fourth running back if you need to, or a third running back. You know, however your team is is shaping up. Um, Eric, final, go ahead. Eric, let me ask you a question. In the difference between the high stakes and your local leagues, um, one of the biggest differences those two flexes is have you have you had any luck in convincing your local leagues to go to two running backs, <laughs> two receivers, well, and two flexes? Because right. what, it, what it does solve, which I tried doing it, and they just fight me like crazy, it solves the trade issue, right? And those local leagues, you can make a trade. and FFPC, you can't make a trade. Mm-hmm. And there's always some cockamamie trade that you say is collusion and, you know, cause a whole bunch of kind of, and that's part of what's fun about it. But if you had two flex, it stops the need for a trade because you can start four running backs or four receivers versus trading for the other guy that's out. I think that's a great point. Um, the, I have not like, I'll be honest with you. I have not played in local leagues in several years. I just don't have, I I'm in some private dynasty ones, but I, I'm not the commission. I don't like to, 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 um, you know, wage war with the rules or anything like that there. But to your point, I think four flexes, or excuse me, two flexes um, allow for a lot of fun, creative stuff, as well as eliminating the, the, the need for a trade to be done in order to field your best possible lineup. Um, I think um, what I have learned over the years from players like you, um, when they talk about local leagues compared to like high stakes, like with the FFPC, once you explain um why this is advantageous for um for the league and if they can get you to go along with it just for one year it's rare that people are like you know what i want to go back to just the single flex you know what i i want to go back to waiver wire priority i don't want to do this fab thing you know i don't want to i want to go to i want to get out of this victory points thing which i think is great for 12 team leagues like sync like closed 12 team leagues i love the victory points 
But like the, the thing is, like once you can explain it and like just get them to go along with it for one year, it most people love it. I mean, most people are huge fans of it. So have you been successful? It, it, is the two flex thing going on in your local leagues? Paul? I, I can't. Well. Yeah, you know, I do quite well in the local leagues. And so they think that I'm as I'm conniving to my advantage, which I which I am, is which if you have all the rules the same, it's a lot easier to stay up on it. But I, I wrote an article back when there were magazines for one of the magazines. It was called Dinosaur to Dynamite, right? I started doing fantasy football where you before fax machines where you had a call, first guy to call it in while the games were going on is who got the pickup. That's how long ago it was. And I fought tooth and nail to have a lot of these leagues go to to auctions. We do auction. Oh, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of a dynasty auction hybrid. They all have gone to auctions with, hey, you can keep two or three players just one extra year, right? So it's kind of a hybrid between that. And I, they all fought that, hey, we don't want to do this. We don't want to go to – and every single time, immediately following, because it solves so many problems, right, is we do a hard cap based on your auction value where you have to drop players to make cap. They all love it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can have any player. If I'm a Chiefs player or you're a Packet player, you can get your one player. Right. Because you just pay more money for it. So they all fought that, just like you're talking about. And immediately at the draft, when you do your first auction, they're like, oh, I love this. And <laughs> part of it is, too, for, you know, somebody like myself, part of the fun is I'm able to jack with every single guy if I want mm -hmm. to. Right. I can bid on everyone. And my goal is to move them up. Um, and knowing what their value is. So, I, but I haven't, they think that I'm rigging something trying to go to two flexes. And so we ha I haven't convinced anybody to do it. It's, it's like, you almost have to tank for a year. Like, let's try the two flexes. And then you, you show up and you go like three and 14 or something like, Oh, cl clearly Paul wasn't putting one over on us. Let's keep doing this two flex thing. Like that's how you got to sell it. Um, right. um, I want, I, I, we have your final question coming up, but before we do, I, I should ask you a chief's question. Um, I feel like for years, well, not for years, but for the last couple of years, since Tyree Kill went to Miami, we've been chasing trying to find uh, that that really successful Chiefs wide receiver uh, that can really help us bring it home in, in those championship round weeks at the end of the season. I don't know if we really found one last year. And quite frankly, I don't know if we're finding one this year. Do you have a favorite or do you think it's not worth the chase because there are so many different receivers there with different skill sets? And Patrick Mahomes is, is going to find all of them because eventually – you know, all these guys are going to be open on certain plays, depending upon, upon how the Chiefs scheme it. Is it still worth trying to find that big, next big Chiefs receiver, Paul? Well, we know it's Travis Kelsey, right? He might be a little yeah. distracted with Taylor Swift right now, but we know it's Travis Kelsey. <laughs> but I also would tell you, I think it's Mike Evans or Hollywood Brown, right? Nice. There's been good press out there. I have quite a bit of Mike Evans, and he's had he's one of those right now. He's one of those four or five guys that's making a difference, has over-exceeded. But I drafted him because there was publications out there that, the, you know, he's he has contract dispute and he might get traded to the Chiefs for a rental player type deal. Is I think if one of those guys got traded, Hollywood Brown I saw today, Mike Evans has been rumored, that would be your favorite Chiefs receiver other than Kelsey if that happened is what I would tell you. Uh, and and um, the other thing I should bring up as long as we're talking about stud receivers – is there any fantasy fallout from Julio Jones signing with the Eagles today? Like, are we concerned with Brown or Smith? Is Jones a guy that we should pick up at the end of our bench? Or is this just a big nothing burger for fantasy? Nothing burger. Okay. I do I do have a, I do have a Travis Kelsey story to tell you that you're please. A oh, please. Absolutely. I'm a diehard Chiefs guy, right? Chiefs are playing the Jets two weeks ago. My son lives in New York. I fly into New York. I stay at the hotel in between my office and his, my son's house. I go in to check in like at 12.45. I travel all the time and say, hey, can I have my room? They're like, no, we have all these super guests. Like, who? you can't have 400 super guests over me. I said, okay, no big deal. I go into the bar next door. Remember, I'm a diehard Chiefs game. Mm -hmm. I'm such a diehard Chiefs fan. I have a prenuptial agreement that says I get to go to the Super Bowl, okay? Mm -hmm. It hadn't gone for 51 years. My sons, my three sons say it all applies to them, so I've been to the three Super Bowls with my family, mm -hmm. okay? And walk in, in this restaurant bar. There's like five people there. And I sit down at this table with the best view of the TVs and the guy in front of me five feet away, that's Travis Kelsey. Oh. I mean, this is the whole thing with Taylor Swift that weekend she's there. Like, no, that's not Travis Kelsey. Is that Travis Kelsey? He's like, it's it's me and Travis Kelsey in this restaurant and bar with like four or five of these guys. And the Chiefs had the whole hotel next door. There's Travis Kelsey. I'm taking pictures and video and telling everybody. I'm sitting next to Travis Kelsey in the games in like four hours. There's Travis. <laughs> he sat there for three hours. But this is kind of sad as our Chiefs guy. I went up to him 
right? To get, make sure it was him. And I got, you know, his bouncer guy grabbed me right away. No pictures. He's a, he's he's prepping for the game. You can't talk to him. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So me and my son tried getting our picture at the end. He wouldn't take it. So I, I called everybody up. Like, we got to drop Kelsey right away. He, <laughs> he, he wasn't, he didn't, he distracted with Taylor. He wouldn't take a picture with me. The diehard Chiefs game. I told him I had a prenuptial agreement and he wouldn't take it. So I was sitting next to him for three hours as he, as he prepped to play the Jets. So this was, and, and that, the the Chiefs Jets game that was a Sunday night. Sunday I, night, so it was the it was the one o'clock games on the East Coast. So you're right. sitting there watching it more or less with Travis Kelsey. His brother was on. They would hit him when they'd show pictures of his mom. And I'm like, I'm on the video phone like with you, like dude, he's like two feet away. Everybody's <laughs> like, that's not Travis Kelsey. I'm like, that's Travis Kelsey. <laughs> and I was waiting for Taylor Swift to come in. Right. Yeah. I wonder if if like because I I don't I mean I wouldn't think a guy like that normally has you know, heavies working for him. I it, wonder if it those was like, were it was, like his, it was like his buddies. It, they were like, it, oh, okay. Like, it, okay. Wasn't like, it wasn't like a bodyguard with a okay. guy or something, but it was like his buddies that are hanging out with them, kind of protecting them. And I went to take a picture with them and go down there and nobody, it was like down below. So the place fills up and I'm the only one that knows that Travis Kelsey's in the bar. I'm the only one. <laughs> and I had, I had my chief's Jersey on. He might've been upset because it said Mahomes, you know, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Would it, would it have been any different if you had had a Kelsey Jersey on? I don't know. It, it's, it's one of those things that you'll never, but as a chiefs fan, um, if, if, uh, if his buddy is telling you, look, man, uh, no pictures, no autographs, he's, he's got to focus on the game. Like if it was me and it was like Jordan love, I, I would have been like, yeah, you know what? I, 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 I want, I want him to play well. Tonight. I want my chiefs to win whatever, whatever makes him happy. You know, <laughs> My uh, son, that, my son said, "Are you gonna, you know, not be a Swifty?" Like, well, I was never a Swifty, so like, yes, I would have to drop her too. <laughs> All right, so we know we know who who your drop is this week, and that's uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift for sure. Yes. Um, a sleeper that you think not a lot of people will be starting this week, Paul, uh, that you would want to get in your lineups, as well as a, a player that a lot of people are going to be starting this week that you think. Um, should have lowered expectations on his output for week seven. You know, I think the one that I would tell you that I think people would probably always start him. I think DK Metcalf's going to have a really big bounce back game, right? You're probably always starting him. So maybe he's not that good of a choice. Um, you know, somebody that I wouldn't be playing, um, you know, it, it's the one that comes up all the time is I, I think this week with a new quarterback and what DJ Moore did last week, I think you'd be considering, do you have, do you have better options than DJ Moore? Mm -hmm. So you start seeing him produce with a new quarterback. I mean, I think it's hard to do that. And I don't have very many teams where I have that luxury of option to do it. Um, that'd be one of them that we kind of talked about a little bit. Um, but things seem kind of settled, right? You know who you, there's, there's not people sitting on your bench that, oh my gosh, she's going to have a big game. I mean, I think, Jamari Gibbs is going to, but you're, you probably, even if, if Montgomery was there, you still always start him, right? Yeah. I, I, it's, it's difficult to get away from, especially when you consider the draft capital that you spent on him. Like you, you may not have a better option than you that. You keep thinking he's going to have one of those um, DJ Moore games where he goes for 45. Right. <laughs> and I actually played Tom Cahill in the local league with fields and DJ more than where he went off. And it's like nothing like winning the game on Thursday night, you know, <laughs> yes, totally. Let me throw this one at you. Last one. Um, running back this week, Indianapolis and Cleveland. Uh, it's in Indianapolis. Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss uh, are both those guys startable? I think they're both startable, for sure. Right. Moss is Mark Moss has been doing really really well. Because um, I, like I just I, I think about how how tough that Cleveland defense was pretty much all season, but then to see what they did last week against San Francisco, I, I guess I, I would have a little bit of pause there, but. I may not have better options than those guys. And and then Eric, just to end, I wanted to tell you a big shout out. We talked about my co-owners. Big shout out to my co-owners, Doug Cole, my two sons, Nick and Matt, uh, Kale, Tyler, and um, Cole. They all and Tom. They all and Mike and Gil. They all make me better, better teams. Right? I mm -hmm. tell people I'm good, but the best thing I'm at is finding really good people to partner with that have a little bit different ideas that make my teams better, so that I can win the whole thing. Right? I and it keeps you close to them. And let me tell you, winning 250 or a million bucks, it's really cool. But winning with two of your buddies is even better. Because oh, yeah. the stories, I could do a whole show about when we won it and all the crazy things that happened. You'd be like, 
you're you're joking. Like, no, that really happened. I mean, <laughs> crazy stuff. That whole experience from the the trip with dinner with Susie Colbert to we we won the auction that year. They used to have an auction, and it was a signed Jerry Rice Joe Montana football helmet. I'm like, that's like it's like like three or four grand right there. Yeah. I mean, we we got so lucky that whole time and had such a great experience. But doing it with your co-owners that you really like that keep you connected and keep that sharing. And they make your teams better. So I would highly encourage people, if you're doing it by yourself, you should you should do more teams with a, a partners or multiple partners, and it would be even a better experience. I think um, one of the – like I became a much better player once I stopped living in my own echo chamber, right? And I got out there and I had conversations with co-owners or people I played against um, that made me feel uncomfortable about the way I was thinking about certain players and certain – aspects of drafting and blind bidding and everything like that and once you start considering things from from other people's viewpoints um i think it opens up a whole lot of different possibilities that i know i i am better today than i was back then but it took you know i don't want to say it was an ego thing but it was one of the things where like i have to understand like you know other people know fantasy really well too and i would probably be better served about not just because they disagree with me about a certain player in offense or whatever to, to just disregard their opinion, I should open my mind up to it. Like, okay, why do I want to disregard this opinion? Why do I disagree with that? And if I don't have a good answer, they probably know something that, that makes me think that uh, they know what they're talking about. And I should probably pick their brain more. And it's made me a lot better. And, and I know you can speak to that as well. And it's the same thing as I did like eight best balls with you guys too. Right. And I tell people you shouldn't be doing if you're spending that much money on a main event team, you should be doing some best ball. So you get to see what the trends are. You can see that Mason goes after Elijah Mitchell and you, all the stuff says he's the number one. You can see it. It's every single time. And the funny thing is, I have eight of those teams. Right. It really helps you prep. It's not that much money. My my partner teams in the main event, they all are doing better than yeah. any of those best balls because they bring a, a, a different view of things and make you a player or two better in certain spots and very much would encourage people to, to do more teams with more players. Um, and it's just more fun. And like I said, there's nothing like having one team and having the season be over like a week three. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Rubio hanging out in the YouTube chat. He wants to know all these crazy uh, uh, stories after you won the 250 K here's what we're going to do, Paul. We're going to have you on again at some point. I don't know when, but we'll figure it out. And that will be one of the questions we get into. Uh, and maybe we'll just make the whole show. About and we, we should do it with the two guys that I was with. Oh, absolutely. And, we, and will. Some, we will. And yes. some of the stories I'm going to have to clean up because the stuff that would happen, some of it was X-rated, right? <laughs> it was in, back in the day, you had to go do the draft in Vegas, right? right. Yep. We, we That same trip, we're playing craps. And some ladies' clothes came off while we're playing craps. We're like, there's no way. Like, they, we would walk home. We were Everything positive happened to us, right? We were right. walking home, and they said, do not pick up any of those cards with telephone numbers on it. And I think, why? I said, because they said, you're so hot, they're going to pay you. Don't do it. <laughs> this this could be epic. This could be and, epic. and Eric, you, my wife has to watch this because I, right. I tell her, my kids tell her I could do stand up, and my wife's like, no way. I'm gonna say Eric's laughing at me. Yeah, no, stuff. it's good yeah. stuff. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The See? problem is she gets this. She gets the show every day, right? She does. I, I only, I only get, to, I get to see the nine o'clock show once a year or from your once every couple of years, whatever. So I tell you, we would happen. have a show if we told you what happened. All the crazy things. You know, we won the auction. Um, we won that helmet. We, we have other stories about who, who was actually in our league. Famous people. We sit oh, yeah. down at the table, and the most famous person in the room was at our table, which I'll, I'll, I'll save till that next show. And we should have those other two owners of mine yes. on and tell the story, and it's pretty funny. We will we'll, we will do that. I think this is a good – this might be a good off-season, um, like, celebrate. You're coming up on the 20th anniversary of, of you winning. Um, hopefully we don't have to wait till 20 years, but maybe, maybe this off season, we can get something together. And I love how we're having a production meeting with, with Paul on the air here, but we are, but maybe this off season, we can get something together and have you guys come on. I think that'd be a, a tremendous, tremendous show uh, that we'll put together. This was a tremendous show tonight. Paul Friel, the 250 K co-owner winner uh, back of the Wyckoff in 2005. He's got a couple of teams, more than a couple of teams in contention in not only the FFPC main event, but the FFPC best ball tournament uh, as well this year. Paul, have a great week seven. Enjoy the rest of the season. May the ball bounce your way. And thank you so much for joining me. It was great talking to you, Eric. Absolutely. Paul Friel, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the 2005 WCOF, uh, $250,000 
uh, grand prize um, 18 years ago now, as it uh, as it were, and a guy who is chasing the $1 million grand prize in the FFPC main event uh, this season. Great stuff from him, and that will complete our show tonight. Just want to give you a little bit of a preview of what's going on with the FFPC pods this week and streams. Um, the This show will be live again next Tuesday at 10 o'clock Eastern time. We'll, uh, we'll hit it hard. Week 7 recap, Week 8 preview. Uh, coming up next Tuesday. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Show goes live 7 o'clock this Thursday night on the Better Sports Network, uh, as well as all the BSN and FFPC social channels. Roto Ballers Josh Hayes will be my guest co-host uh, for that. And then we'll go live on uh, uh, 10 o'clock uh, Eastern time this Friday night with the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, KFFSC Commissioner Farrell Elliott and myself with FFPC main event fourth place team owner Matt Modica. I think he's in fourth place. He might. I know he's in the top 10. He might be ninth now that I think about it. Something I don't think he's fourth, but I know he's in the top ten. He was leading the whole shebang uh, this past week, so we'll get Matt Modicon this Friday to talk to him. Uh, go to myffpc.com, myffpc.com to register for the FFPC Weekly Challenge. There is no draft. There is no salary cap. Just choose 10 players if you want to play without kickers and defenses. 12 players if you want to play with kickers and defenses. Get them in by 1 o'clock and enjoy the Weekly Challenge for the remainder of the week. Nothing else you have to do. Only one player per team. You can pick whatever players you want, just like Paul Friel was talking about with the auctions. You can bid on whatever player you want, but you can only have one player per NFL team. You can enter for as little as $35. You can win up to $2,500 as well. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified uh, every time we go live uh, on this uh, on this channel, which will be Thursday night at 7 o'clock with Roto Ballers' Josh Hayes. I want to thank Paul Friel. I'm Eric Balkman. This has been the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. We'll talk with you again next week.